You're literally just thinking of the Pied Piper. Hi, and welcome to Meet Your Heroes. I'm Audrey. And I'm Elliot. And this is the show where we ignore the very good conventional wisdom to never meet your heroes, and instead get up close and personal with the lesser known legacies and real life bad behavior of some of history's most notable and beloved people. Speaking of notable people, how do you feel about leprechauns? <laughs> leprechauns? Uh, I actually have very mixed feelings about leprechauns. That's funny because I have zero feelings about leprechauns. Okay, well here, let me make you a promise. Okay. By the end of this episode, I am I intend to give you some feelings about leprechauns. You've been married to me now for, oh my God, so many years. It feels like 50 years. You know how I feel about <laughs> feelings. Yeah, you're, you, will, you will have some feelings about leprechauns. Hard pass. Episode's over. Not going to record anymore. I'm done. Out of luck. <laughs> okay. Show must go on. Well, speaking of leprechauns, it's speaking of speaking of. Yes, it's St. Patrick's Day this week. The day this episode airs, in fact. Yes. That's such a coincidence. What do you know? <gasps> to be fair, we did miss a week. And you know what I was thinking about that? Mm-hmm. We don't owe these people anything. We don't, <laughs> but they are so generous with their time and enthusiastic about the mediocre research and poorly timed jokes we have every week. I, I feel like the least we can do is just say like, hey, it's kind of hard to start a podcast in a pandemic and then your kid gets sick and like, bah, now we're here. That's the least we could say, right? That's actually way more. That's way more. (laughs) That's too much almost. Okay. Well, we're here now. Independent of our podcast, something that the pandemic also interrupted where we live is the fairly notorious St. Patrick's Day Parade. Last year around this time when the St. Patrick's Day Parade got canceled, that's when the reality really hit folks. Like, oh, shit is changing. Yeah, that yeah, it got real. And this is and now we've missed two in a row. Also, to be fair though, New Orleans has missed a couple Mardi Gras and St. Patrick's Day parades. Yeah, and honestly, yes. And the New Orleans St. Patrick's Day parade is really something. Right. And I only bring that up because you being from New Orleans, there's the Mardi Gras pr- parades that are fairly stereotypical and then the St. Patrick's Day parade that I love because of the cabbage. Yes. I yes. love cabbage. And they literally throw cabbage at you from the floats. And I'm not too proud to eat it. It's a good parade. You make good food out of that cabbage. You can't wash it up, throw it in a little pot, add some vegetable broth, potato. Mmm. Perfection. But none of that this year. No. Potatoless. Cabbageless. <laughs> Paradeless. Just, just here with this podcast. So without further ado, <laughs> to help you hungry people out there. Yes, it will have to do. This week's hero, St. Patrick. Audrey, uh, what do you know about St. Patrick? So, not much. Do you want my gut reaction? Yes. First thing that pops to my mind, pops into my mind. Yes. Children. Okay. Potatoes. Okay. A flute. (laughs) In some combination. I don't know. I don't know. Like the Pied Piper almost. Like the Pied Piper of potatoes for children. That's what what pops into my mind. I don't know. You're literally just thinking of the Pied Piper. The Pied Piper had no potatoes. If he did, he would have gotten a lot more children. I'll tell you what. 
Wow. Okay, that has nothing to do with St. Patrick. The potato famine wasn't for like almost more than a thousand years after St. Patrick. I have never promised that (laughs) my timeline of gut reactions would align with history. You asked what I knew, and I said my gut reaction. Okay, okay. Um, Well, then let's set some guidelines. (laughs) Let's set some ground rules here. Uh, So St. Patrick, commonly known, he's an Irish saint. That tracks. Okay. Uh, (laughs) He brought Christianity to Ireland. Not surprised. Okay. And... There is a story that is not about children in a flute, but there is a story that he drove the snakes out of Ireland. Okay, so... Does that ring a bell? First of all, maybe I meant snakes. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a really fine line between, between children and snakes <laughs> in my subconscious, and I guess those wires got crossed. Okay. But to be fair, like, and I say this in the most endearing way, as someone who has no relationship to anyone of Irish descent. The entire St. Patrick's Day aesthetic, it doesn't do anything for me. I don't know anything about it. What aesthetic is that? Well, you're about to tell me, right? (laughs) No, no. I want to know what you're imagining when you think it's not your aesthetic. It's um, green. There's uh, mysticism. A saint at some point. Mysticism. Wow, you're just... I'm. This is surprising to me. There are leprechauns. The fuck do you call <laughs> leprechauns? Are you saying that is not mysticism? Okay. A, a rainbow, gold. Okay, sure. Hard sure. stars and horseshoes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I mean, listen. I have no real understanding of the way that saints work in the Catholic Church, or in any church. Okay. You know this about me. I know this about me. When I was 11, I asked my very moderate to liberal Methodist preacher, I think that's what she was called, why there were no dinosaurs in the Bible. When she could not explain that. (laughs) That that did you in. That was it. That was the end of my ability to suspend disbelief. That's You know, it's a fair question. As such, I love a good story, love a good Greek mythology. The saints are very interesting to me. But uh, when it comes to either of those, I have no fundamental understanding of how they work. Okay. Well, then allow me to enlighten you. We have St. Patrick, mm-hmm. Irish saint, brought Christianity to Ireland and drove the snakes out of Ireland. First of all, he's not named Patrick. So he was born in Roman Britain. As a disclaimer, we are in the age of antiquity here, right? We're actually like 400 CE. So the year 400, there's not... A lot of reliable records. I'm, I'm actually really glad you clarified that because the age of antiquity is quite ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So 400, not Patrick, yeah. some dude. His name, because he is actually born in Roman Britain at Uh-oh. the end, tail end of the Roman Empire, <clears throat> is Patricius. I like that more. So people will translate that Latin into English, but Patricius is his name. So we're going to stick with it. Second thing. He is known as an Irish saint. Actually, he is not Irish. <laughs> Turns out he's born in Britain. So so maybe I should know more about my people. <laughs> he's British. Uh, that, that 23andMe came back 99% British. I'll tell you what. Yes. This feels like I should have known. Feels like you should know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his exact birthplace is not known with any certainty. 
because of the lack of records. Um, but his father was a deacon and a decurion, which is this combination of a Roman like city council person combined with a tax collector. Like it was this council of business people and merchants who were in charge of like administering the city and they had to donate a lot of money and then like collect the taxes and then like fund the public services. So he's pretty well off. Got it. But Patricius here does not start off as Christian. Now, there is a secondary legend here that he was kidnapped into slavery. Oh, my. And originally brought to Ireland against his will. Because his father had a lot of money, like ransom kidnapping, or just this was a common thing that happened to children? Well, so not a child, 16 or so was the age. Technically a child. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's true. A teenager, still a child, though. Um, There's only two records of his writing. So in his letter, Confessions, he says he was captured by pirates at 16, and they took him to Ireland where he was enslaved and held captive for six years. So not a small period of time. I mean, who among us hasn't written some crazy shit when we were 16? (laughs) Well, so he wrote this at the end of his life. He was retelling his childhood story in this letter. He said that he was in captivity, he worked as a shepherd, and then this period of hardship strengthened his relationship with God through prayer and eventually led him to convert to Christianity. So that eventually, after six years in captivity, he heard a voice that said, go escape now, go home. He fled 200 miles by foot, found a port, convinced the captain to take him onto the ship, and then went back to Britain. Wow. Okay. So that's a secondary story you said. Yes. Is that just, that's not captured anywhere but his writings? It is captured in his writings. Got it. However, a study from Cambridge Mm -hmm. based on his writings and the historical record around that time uh, suggests instead he probably sold slaves to skip town and escape a job he didn't want to do. What? Yeah. So (laughs) he... He was growing up as this member of the Roman nobility in Western Britain. His father's job, this decurion, right, had become, gone from being like a very desirable noble thing to being pretty undesirable. Yeah. You can't be a tax collector for long. I'll tell you what. Yes. And it makes it harder if the Roman government around you is collapsing around the year 400 in Britain, uh, because then you're supposed to be collecting taxes, but you're not really providing the services anymore. And it's also becoming dangerous because you don't have, like, actual state protection to go get people's money. I wonder what that's like. (laughs) Yes. Um, And it turns out this role of the decurion was hereditary. Oh, no. So when his dad suddenly decided that he was going to leave to become a deacon. Sure. Sure. That mean Patricius was supposed to inherit it. Now. That's quite inconvenient. Yes. Um, Ireland was not part of this same settled empire and so if you were looking for a place to escape to mm-hmm. it was a good candidate mm-hmm. but ireland lacked a monetary system right there wasn't a currency or anything like that so you had to get passage you had to barter commodities wow and and his commodity was people well since it you know for almost a fact that his family owned slaves and oh, it was one of the only God. things that was valuable enough and portable enough to Jesus. sell for passage onto a ship so, I I do not like this story. Yeah, Cambridge this is very upsetting. The Cambridge historian uh, Roy Fletcher wrote, "quote The traditional story that Patrick was kidnapped from Britain, forced to work as a slave, but managed to escape and reclaim his status, is likely fiction. The only way out of slavery in that period was to be redeemed, and Patrick was never redeemed. The traditional legend 
was instigated by Patrick himself in the letters he wrote because this is how he wanted to be remembered. Okay, so I go back to my original theory, which is who among us doesn't want to? <laughs> yes. But most of us, in fact, I would say 99.99% of us do not enslave other people to then like change the narrative of our life. That's true. He conveniently left that part out and Oof. made his escape. But it is true that after six years, there is evidence that he did return back to Britain before ultimately converting to Christianity and going back to Ireland for a second time. Converting from what? So it's not clear. Okay. There were Roman gods that were analogs to the Greek gods. Sure. And, you know, may have been generally religious in some way, but becomes a dedicated Christian after the fact. Got it. Now, this brings us to the second big pillar of the St. Patrick mythos, that he brought Christianity to Ireland. That is how he is known. In reality... He did not bring Christianity to Ireland. What? His Can whole life it? is a lie? <laughs> well, so he definitely was a Christian and helped spread the word, um, but he was not the one who brought it there, not even by a long shot. In the year 431, Pope Celestine I, he named this other guy Palladius. Wait, hit me with that year again? Year 431. Okay, so the middle of Patrick's life. Yeah. Patricius. Yes. Got it. He named this guy Palladius to Ireland as the first bishop. And so Mm. Palladius is there, and he starts naming all of these deacons, and he needs people who speak the local language, right? Mm -hmm. So he's got guys like Auxilius and Secundinus and Ascendinus. And And this is Celtic? Yes, Celtic. Again, I know very little about the Irish aesthetic. Celtic (laughs) feels very Irish aesthetic to me. So, So Christianity is out here spreading because this guy already showed up and found some Celtic deacons and is like spreading it. And then Patrick Oof. shows up and he's preaching. All right. Like he's doing, but he is not special in this way. Okay. And one of the indications about how this like myth starts growing about Patrick as being like this father of Christianity in Ireland is that he in records is like written as having done a lot of really remarkable deeds. Like he once broke up a, you know, a, a cult of people that had pagan sacrifices or something. Right. But in these records, Hmm. they record him as dying in the year 457, and then the year 461, and then they have him dying again in 492, and then they have him dying again in 493. Okay. So it kind of implies that the things he were credited for were almost certainly a combination of stories from a bunch of different people doing stuff. (laughs) Sure. Who all just kind of got lumped under this one name of Patricius. It's just a remix, baby. Yeah, I mean, like, (laughs) records were not that good, let's be real. (laughs) There's an early document uh, about how Christianity is is spreading in Ireland about the year 613, so 200 years later. Okay. And it's talking about all of the good work that was done, and it has zero mention of anyone named Patrick or Patricius. Hmm. Uh, But they do say that in reference to another guy, this Palladius, the Christianity in Ireland was, quote, first handed to us by you, referring to Palladius. And Patrick is nowhere around. So it's it's pretty clear that, like, at the time, nobody thought it was anything special. Sure. Palladius, does he have any holidays? No. Not even, like, a box of cereal with his emblem on it? <laughs> Not even one. No marshmallows? Not even one. Now, that could be forgiven. We could forgive the lumping together of these people under this title if, in fact, St. Patrick had driven the snakes out of Ireland. I would be willing to forgive a lot of things if someone drove the snakes out of any singular place. Yes. That seems like a, a 
a feat among itself or like uh is that feat among itself is that the saying no Ooh, that seems like a... In and of itself? In and of itself. A feat in and of itself. It is. It is a feat in and of itself. Listen, we're recording this podcast like two hours later than we usually do because our kid would not fall asleep. Okay, and fair, I'm fair. usually asleep by now. <laughs> yes. You're, don't be rude. I'm not being rude. You are. You corrected me with the right thing. You should have just <laughs> let me go with it. Let me die on that hill like the snakes that St. Patrick drove out of my right? <laughs> Okay, so the the stories uh, written um, describe Patrick, Mm -hmm. this apostle of this new faith, trying to win people over, Mm -hmm. draw them away from these long-established pagan deities, and win them over to this one true God. So there's an account written by a Scottish monk named Jocelyn. The fuck did we get to Scotland? Well, it's close by. Just, I feel like the Scottish would be very angry that you said that. Look, this the Scot the Scottish had the monks who were writing down the history at this moment in time, all right? So this account belongs to them. I'm just saying there's a lot of people in the world who conflate Ireland and Scotland. I'm not conflating it. I'm saying the I'm, monk I'm not saying you Scottish. are. I'm saying that there might be people who listen to us where we made a real quick leap from Ireland to Scotland and we need to have some combative discourse to demarcate that that shift. Sure. So they're in Scotland a f- few years later. Got there's it. a monk named Jocelyn who's writing down the story that says, quote, Ireland, since its first habitation, had been pestered by a triple plague. Venomous reptiles, myriad demons visibly appearing, and a multitude of magicians. You could have had me at any one of those. <laughs> you don't need the combination of all three. You have three plagues, <gasps> magicians, demons, and reptiles. And you're telling me those are not the same thing? <laughs> That's so rude. <laughs> oh, now you're offended? Magician? Uh, the quote continues, <laughs> The glorious apostle labored by prayer and other exercises of devotion, taking the staff of Jesus in his hand and hurled the reptiles into the sea. What did Jesus do with the magicians? Doesn't say. Okay. Maybe they just disappeared in a puff of smoke? You were at one point a very religious magician. What did Jesus do to you? Puff of smoke. <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's, that's the answer. So Boom. despite the Scottish monk's account, you may be shocked to find mm-hmm. that this probably didn't happen. What? According to Nigel Monaghan, who is the keeper of the Natural History Museum of Ireland, Patricia's never actually claimed to be the one responsible for the snake-free Ireland. <laughs> this uh, is a quote? Um, well, <laughs> snake-free Ireland? <laughs> yes. Uh, he never said anything like that. There's no record, no evidence. Uh, Patricia's arrived in the year 432, which is later than the other guys, if you remember. I do. But also... Scholars had been writing about how weird it was that Ireland had no snakes for 200 years, but already by the time he showed up. There's there's actually a historical written record where people are like, hey, there's no snakes here. Why are there no snakes in Ireland in the year 200, 210, 250, I mean, for real, there's so much water. Yeah. Why? It seems like a, I mean, it's not warm enough for a lot of snakes, but it's temperate enough for a number of snakes. Yeah, so there's actually a real reason. What? The real reason 
was that Ireland, mm -hmm. for a long time, was too cold for snakes. Oh, okay. Well, global warming, I'm thinking well, of no. snakes can live <laughs> there now. War. This is like, <laughs> this is 1800 years ago. I know, I'm just saying, like, now my concept of the climate in Ireland is conducive to snakes. I wasn't sure. thinking before humans fucked up the entire atmosphere. Well, so it's, it is much further back than that, even. It is back when Ireland was connected to the rest of the world where snakes evolved. And mm. it was too cold there because of the Ice Age. Got it. And by the time the Ice Age ended, way, way, way back before people were fucking shit up. Sure. Ireland was already an island. You know, that's not a timeline I would have had in my mind. Thank you for clarifying. Yes. So Ireland had no snakes for basically as long as there were people. Real quick. Yep. Because I'll tell you how this research would have gone for me, which is my next question would have been, what other countries have no snakes? <laughs> did you end up down that rabbit hole? I did not. So for the record, because of the Ice Age, Ireland has never had snakes. There's never been snake fossils found in Ireland. There's no record that there were ever snakes. Uh, just, though, in case you're interested... If you do see this as a sign of St. Patrick's power, please know that as of 1990, there are now snakes in Ireland. Ah. Because people started to get pets. I was going to say, is it like Florida, where yes. they get these pets, they get too big, and they release them, and it suddenly is. there's like a 40-foot python in someone's toilet? <laughs> yes. And believe it or not, <laughs> Ireland had no laws against importing any kind of snake, including venomous ones. No! And so now there's a ton of venomous snakes <laughs> in Ireland, because people adopted them, didn't know what they were getting into. Oh, my gosh. And then released them. Also, it's now a major health policy problem because there's a ton of venomous snakes around and they have no anti-venom. Oh, no! <laughs> yeah, they don't have nearly enough anti-venom to compete with the amount of venomous snakes they have now accidentally introduced since the 90s. This is quite the butterfly effect. It is. Thank you, St. Patrick. Wow. Other interesting facts. Everybody sees him in the color green. Never wore the color green. He was a color blue kind of guy. All the paintings show him in the color blue. Never wore green. Wasn't a dye yet available. Right. I mean, blue was a new color for most people like 2,000 years ago. Yeah, hard to come by. There's that entire Radiolab, or is it Freakonomics? I think it's Radiolab lab episode. About the color blue. Yeah, about how blue is a constructed color that mostly doesn't appear in nature. And so the vast majority of the world didn't know about blue until like 1,000 years ago. Yes. So what we've established is that St. Patrick, the Irish saint, who brought Christianity to Ireland and drove the snakes out of the country while wearing green, was not actually Irish. And turns out he did not actually bring Christianity to Ireland. Well, it was not the first one. And did not drive snakes out of Ireland and did not wear green. And it also turns out that he was never actually made an official saint. What? So how... How are we here? 17, almost exactly 1700 years later, throwing cabbages at random people on the street and I don't know, pretending that rainbows lead to gold. Like, how are we here? Well, is there uh, more to the story? Am I jumping ahead? You're jumping ahead, but we'll okay, get don't, there. Don't jump ahead. We'll get there. You know, I'm not great with timelines. So. Sure. So he did none of those things. And he is not ever actually made an official saint. Wow. The guy we call St. Patrick is not canonized. For those of you who aren't familiar, in the Catholic Church, when you become a saint, it's called canonization. And the reason is because there's an official list called a canon of saints. 
Mm-hmm. And if you write your name in that, or if your name is written in that, that means the church decided you didn't write it because you're dead. The church decided <laughs> that you're in heaven. But for hundreds of years, the only people that were ever considered saints were Mary, Joseph, and martyrs. You had to, Martyr meaning you had to be killed for your faith. Mm-hmm. But then right around this time, around the fourth century, people started praying to other people who Hmm. were holy or seemed like they were holy, but weren't martyred. Okay, so that's like 100 years before, because we're talking 5th century. No, we're talking... This is the 400s still. And you said 4th century. Sorry. So the 400s, yes, around this time. 5th century. Got it. We're talking about people start praying to non-martyrs, and they just kind of invent this idea that like, oh, we're just going to like pray to and follow like people we think were really good, and... This like starts catching on and people start little clubs and they're called cults. Oh, literally like they're called cults and it had a different connotation, but it was mm-hmm. like a cult of different saints where you like follow around and like study yep. and honor and read this person and pray to them. And slowly the bishops in different communities are like, oh, this is good. So a few hundred years later, the bishops start like being like, OK, here's the thing. I am going to say that this person is a saint mm. and different bishops started saying that. Um, And then eventually by the year 1200, the Pope is like, you know what? No, no, no. I I claim this right. I'm the only one who can say this. Done. Locks it down. But that is like 800 full years after Patrick is dead. And nobody's like going back. Like everybody else had just been like, yeah, he's a saint, right? Yeah. Yep. Sure. Sure. So they just like agreed in Ireland and... They just kind of like kept agreeing. Turns out they were agreeing like four different guys who were saints. They didn't actually know who they were talking about specifically. But like everybody was just like agreeing like the Patrick guy, right? Patricia, yeah. You know, the guy who died like 50 years ago. You mean 30 years ago? Yeah, that guy. Um, And sure enough, over time, people just kind of like fudge the details enough where the group of people we generally think of as St. Patrick became somebody we celebrate on St. Patrick's Day. That's actually a vibe I can get behind. This time isn't real. You mean this guy, this guy? Yes. Because St. Patrick, the Irish saint who brought Christianity to Ireland and drove the snakes out, turns out was not actually Irish, did not drive the saints, the snakes uh-uh. out, did not bring Christianity to Ireland, and isn't actually officially a saint at all. For all of those reasons, I would say he is not my hero. Pretty problematic reasons if those are all the things you're known for as a saint. Yeah. Also, he might have been selling slaves to escape his actual job. right. You know what? Worse. Yes. A lie about whether or not you drove snakes out is much much less worse than the fact that you were actually selling enslaved people so that you didn't have to collect taxes. Yes. Now, I do want to follow up, though, with your earlier question about how do we get here? Please. That, that is really the driving question. My my singular curiosity in this episode. Yes, the St. Patrick's Day parades. How did we adopt this Irish tradition? Similar to most holidays, mm-hmm. I imagine there's some commercialization effect. But how? Yeah. How are we here? What is this? So uh, St. Patrick's Day is not an Irish holiday. Well, I take the back. Uh-oh. St. Patrick's Day parades are okay. not an Irish phenomenon. They were started in America. Uh, the first one was in March seventeenth, sixteen o one, in Saint Augustine, Florida. There was a sixteen o one. Yes, sixteen o one. Way before there was an America. This Wait. is back when you had 
people traveling to the Americas. It was a Spanish right. colony. Yes. yes. And but a thousand years after, uh, twelve hundred years after Saint Patrick. Yes. I feel really bad about the fact that we are closer in time to the first Saint Patrick's Day parade than the first Saint Patrick's Day was to Saint Patrick. Yeah, yes, that's true. Just for some perspective, folks, like that's where we're at. It continued on sporadically. There were some Irish soldiers in the English army in Boston and New York around 1737, so, so still before America. I'm just so curious. Someone in Florida in the 1600s was like, hey, parade with four-leaf clovers? Yeah, so it was a Spanish colony at the time, and there was a Irish priest who was stationed ah, as part of the Spanish colony. Got it. And he was like, it's the feast day of St. Patrick. I'm going to throw a parade. <laughs> okay. And he invented this thing where he threw a parade and they marched around and played music. Fair enough. Uh, and then Irish soldiers who were homesick in mm-hmm. Boston and New York in 1737 before the Revolutionary War mm-hmm. also decided on St. Patrick's Day that they were going to throw a parade. And so they started throwing parade. Find joy where you can get it. Yeah. And so St. Patrick's Day parades are older than America itself. Wow. Uh, Eventually, in 1903, St. Patrick's Day was named a religious holiday in Ireland. But not until 1903 was it named a religious day and holiday in Ireland. And, And because it was a religious holiday, all pubs were closed and it was a dry holiday. You could not be drinking... On St. Patrick's Day nope, nope. in Ireland. False. You could not be drinking in a pub yes. okay, fair, on fair, March fair. 17th yes. in Ireland. They closed all the pubs. You, so you can drink be wherever the fuck you want, just not a pub. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it stayed a dry holiday in Ireland until the year 1970. Of course. Wow. Wow. Yes. What a rich history St. Patrick's Day has. It does. It does. Uh, it mostly fraudulent history, It doesn't even yes. involve a flute or a child. Not a single one. Not a single one. Oh, but I did tell you you would get some feelings about leprechauns. Ah, yes. So I meant to, so to take us out, fun fact, each St. Patrick's Day, Mm-mm. there's a 10,000% increase what? in searches for leprechauns on Pornhub. No. I had oh, to learn no. that, and now oh, you no. have to know oh, it, no, too. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't... I would like to unlearn that, please. Nope, nope, nope. You're there with me. That doesn't make me feel things poorly about leprechauns so much as um, humans? Just, like, human nature? That that's what happens every March 17th? <laughs> one, you imagine? one, one. That there is that happening, too. That someone is collecting data on that. (laughs) Good for you. Listen, I am not trying to kink shame. (coughs) I am so curious, though. (laughs) Not curious enough to search myself, but I'll tell you what. Hey, don't knock it. I will not be knocking it. Much like the Irish didn't actually knock St. Patrick's. I don't know. What's the the wrap up here? (laughs) If, if folks want to wrap up with us. If folks would like to learn more fun and interesting leprechaun facts, where can they find us? They can find us on social media at Your Heroes Pod or on our website at MeetYourHeroesPodcast.com. Yep. And please like, share, rate, review, spread the word, tell your friends. And until next week. Don't be a hero. Don't be a hero. Bye.